Welcome back everybody. It's the lawyer you know with another Kyle Rittenhouse trial update and Gage Grossroots has just gotten off the stand and we're providing an update from Friday and most of Monday. It's late Monday Eastern time. We're going to tell you what happened, what witnesses have taken the stand, what they have said, but most of today's video is going to focus on this alleged victim's testimony. It is one of the biggest parts of the trial and there's some shocking things that he said. I believe he potentially had some of the most important evidence that came out during his statement that is making me lean heavily in one direction for this case. And I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the video. If you're enjoying this Kyle Rittenhouse content, please like this video and subscribe to our page. Let us know what you think. Let us know who you think is ahead after Monday. You're probably going to be watching this on Tuesday. And what's interesting about Tuesday is the prosecution has indicated to the judge they hope to rest their case in chief by the end of the day on Tuesday. So we could be done with probably over half of this trial by the end of the day Tuesday. Then the defense starts their case in chief and we're probably done at the end of this week or early next week. So make sure you continue to follow along with us and get your questions in. I'm going to do a couple update videos this week and then again on Thursday, I am going to do a live so I can answer your questions right on the spot as we talk through what's going on in this trial. So a brief update on the jurors. Another juror has been dismissed. This time it was for pregnancy issues or something to do with the pregnancy to which she was allowed to be relieved of her duties as a juror. So we are now down to 18 jurors, which should be fine. We should have plenty to finish by the end of next week. The first witness that was called today was Ryan Balch. And we heard from a few of the armed civilians that were there that night in addition to Kyle Rittenhouse. But Ryan Balch specifically said he didn't know Rittenhouse. He also carried a big gun and he gave Rittenhouse some instructions. So Balch instructed Rittenhouse not to interact with the protesters because it could cause problems. And specifically, he said, just don't talk to them because it can escalate the situation if they feel like you're making fun of them and it just isn't needed. So the prosecution brought that out um, that he didn't shoot anybody. He didn't feel like there was um, risk of death or anything like that. But on cross, he said that it was heard that people were saying things like, if I get either of you alone, he would expletive kill you. And Balch said, that's correct. And he said, did you have any doubt about that? And Balch said, no doubt about that at all. And the defense attorney said, you told the FBI that? And Balch said, yes. So the fact that it was said to them that if I got either of you alone, I would expletive kill you is a fact that Ryan Balch heard. Again, these are prosecution witnesses that are taking the stand, but again, another point for the defense. And on redirect, the prosecution decided to point out a mistake that the FBI made. The FBI put in their report that Balch, this witness, said that there was some chemical mixture in the plastic bag Rosenbaum threw at Kyle Rittenhouse, when in fact Balch said, I never told them that. So either Balch is lying and that's a prosecution witness that they've called a liar or the FBI made a mistake in their report and the FBI are the investigators helping the prosecution. So either way, somebody that's supposed to be helping the prosecution made a mistake that was pointed out by the prosecution. Not sure what their plan was there. Next, Jason Lakowski, another armed civilian. His plan was to shout, shove, show, and then shoot. Okay, he called the protesters a-holes obviously very against them and hostile towards them. But he also said that Rosenbaum was just a babbling idiot, basically, and he was belligerent, but he was not a real threat. 
so he didn't feel like he needed to shoot anybody or use deadly harm. He also assumed that Rittenhouse was 18 because he said he was an EMT and he was carrying a big firearm. So again, calling into question that Rittenhouse maybe was lying or indicating to other people he was 18, even though he wasn't knowing he was committing a crime. So they tried to get into a little bit of that about what Rittenhouse's mindset was for that. He also said he came to the aid and he's in a lot of the pictures and videos of Gage Grossfruits who we're going to see at the end. And we'll call him Gage just because I'm probably mispronouncing his last name. But he said when he saw Gage's arm shot by Kyle Rittenhouse, he came to his aid, did the tourniquet, helped render aid to him. But he also had an important statement that he picked up the loaded pistol of Gage, emptied it, took all the weapons out, that there was a bullet in the chamber, and then he put the empty gun back down. Gage later will testify that he didn't know whether or not there was a bullet in the chamber, but Jason Lukowski said there was because he was the one that took it out. Again, prosecution witness stating that there wasn't enough there for, you know, this fatal self-defense that ended in death. So again, another prosecution witness that did provide information that it wasn't that crazy out there that they were in fear for their lives and somebody needed to act in self-defense shooting people, but also describing the fact that one of the people that were shot did have a loaded gun and these protesters were a-holes according to him and the people that were there. So I'm not sure they fixed the problem of the defense who's really setting the scene that this was hostile, a lot of people that were against each other going at it. But the prosecution continues to show no matter how bad it was, Kyle Rittenhouse was the only one that felt it necessary to shoot and kill people. You tell me. Amber Rasmussen uh, state crime lab DNA analyst. They didn't swab the barrel of the gun, so they can't tell whether or not a victim touched it. Again, there were some other officers that testified that that's not usually where you swab because that's not usually where people grab the gun. So that's why we don't have any definitive DNA evidence as to any whether or not any of the victims actually grabbed Kyle Rittenhouse's gun. The video footage and the pictures of the defense is leaning on to show that physical contact was there. It's going to be up to the jury to decide whether or not they agree with that. Susan Hughes, Huber's great aunt, testified to their relationship, what a great guy he was, went into all this good stuff about Mr. Huber. Then the defense, outside the presence of the jury, argued that they wanted to get into the fact that Huber was guilty of suffocation and strangulation, and they wanted to get into the fact that he pled guilty to that, so he admitted doing that, so he wasn't peaceful. He may be violent, he has been violent in the past, because the prosecution opened the door to his character and actions beforehand that speak to the type of person he is, basically. And the judge ruled that that is probably admissible. So we'll see if it comes out. Rosenbaum's girlfriend, Carrie Ann Swart, also testified that they were homeless before this happened and she was in an apartment when he came after the hospital. They didn't talk about the suicide attempt or the restraining order, or I should say the no, no contact order. They didn't talk about anything like that. But she did answer the question of what is in the bag? People are commenting. What was in the bag? The bag was empty. The bag had chemicals in it. The bag was full of stuff. It could have hurt Kyle Rittenhouse. All these statements and comments about what's in the bag. Well, she confirmed what the prosecutors already told us that what was in the bag was toothpaste, toothbrush, paperwork, socks, and deodorant. That's what was in the bag. Now she did disclose that Rosenbaum was suffering from bipolar disorder and he wasn't able to get his medications filled because the pharmacies were boarded up because of all the unrest and things that were going on in that town. Again, showing why he may have been acting kind of crazy that night or why Kyle Rittenhouse could have been in fear. You know, one witness says he's a bumbling idiot. Another person may be in fear for their life, which is what the defense is trying to show for Kyle Rittenhouse. But this could be one of the reasons he was acting that way because he was off his medication. 
And then some family members about the person that owned CarSource came, said they gave no permission to Kyle Rittenhouse or any of those people to be there. They didn't hire him. They didn't pay him. They weren't supposed to necessarily be there. And some of the defense lawyers, when they were trying to cross him, they didn't understand questions or didn't remember. And some of the defense lawyers got um, frustrated with that. So no real points for the defense here. Points for the prosecution to show maybe that they weren't even supposed to be there. They shouldn't have been there. Like a moss to a wildfire, they came in and brought these problems, which is connecting back to the prosecution's opening statement. More officers came and testified again that they didn't swab the barrel because that's not normally where they touched the gun. And then Officer Moretti, who is the officer that Kyle actually surrendered to and walked to, said the reason he didn't arrest Kyle right there, I didn't think he was surrendering because most people don't walk towards you with their hands up to surrender. They get down on the ground or on their knees and put their hands above their head. He testified that he pepper sprayed on Kyle Rittenhouse and that after the surrender, there was constant gunfire. So that's basically what the testimony was up until Gage Grosskreutz took the stand. All right, so the rest of the video is going to focus on his testimony as he is one of the only living alleged victims in this case. We talked about McGinnis last time, who I thought did a great job testifying. He was down the middle. He came across as honest, didn't feel like he had a bone to pick with anybody or like he was choosing sides, right? And there were some points made by the prosecution, points made by the defense, which is, you know, how it goes sometimes. But Gage Grosskreutz, his demeanor to me felt a little coached. He felt a little bit smug at times. Um, I don't know him personally. I'm just looking at him as a, as a witness. And I want to hear what you guys think too, because you are all potential jurors. I'm looking at it just as a lawyer. If I was a prosecutor, I would have liked him for him to come off a little more genuine. They talked so much about his training as an EMT, about how he dedicated his life to helping people, his time, his money, everything, his efforts to helping people. And they did that as a converse to the fact that Kyle Rittenhouse lied about being an EMT and how Gage was actually there to help people and Kyle Rittenhouse was not. There was a lot of talk about that and also how he saw Kyle Rittenhouse throughout the night and how he wasn't using proper hygiene as an EMT because he had the same gloves on all night. You're not supposed to do that. Critiqued some of that. There was parts of the video where they were yelling medic and he said that's why he was running places. He wasn't necessarily chasing Kyle Rittenhouse. But problems that the prosecution knew was coming, which is that Gage was armed. So he admitted that he had a loaded gun that night in a holster in the small of his back. He also testified that his concealed carry permit had lapsed, which ipso facto means he was committing a crime by carrying a concealed weapon without a permit. Okay. He said he has no recollection of any threats made by demonstrators. He didn't verbally threaten Kyle Rittenhouse or anybody else that night. He did say that Kyle Rittenhouse said, I'm working with the police. Now on cross, we'll find out what was actually said, but in his direct, he said, Kyle Rittenhouse said, I'm working with the police. He thought Rittenhouse was an active shooter and he ran up with his gun and his cell phone to try to help. When discussing the shooting of Mr. Huber, which Gage was an eyewitness to, he said the defendant shot Mr. Huber, then went back and decided to say when he murdered Mr. Huber. There was an objection by the defense. The judge sustained it and the judge decided to strike that term murder and look to the jury and say, it's not for the witness to decide. It's for you, the jury, to decide whether or not this was murder. The witness sometimes can get emotional and that could be what he's talking from, but he does not legally decide whether or not it's murder. You, the jury, does. So I thought that was interesting. And again, a little bit of pressing by Mr. Huber that I didn't necessarily feel was necessary. He also talked about how the defendant re-racked his gun, which the video didn't necessarily show. He said he tried to take the gun from the defendant and detain him but that he was never going to shoot the defendant no matter what 
because he was not going to kill him. That's not who he is. And his entire life, he's been dedicated to an ethical code that he lives by in regards to medicine and helping people not shooting them. Taking the life of somebody else is not something he's comfortable with or capable of, and he would never do that. That's really important for what the defense is going to ask him later. When asked again, you could have stopped this with your gun. Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you use your pistol? It's not who I am. I was there to help. I've spent my life dedicated to helping people. He talks again in gory detail about how he almost lost his arm, how he can't feel things in his hand or his thumb or his arm, the traumatic surgery he went through, no doubt about it, gruesome injury that the jury was able to see in the pictures and the videos. He kept looking toward the jury like this as he would talk in kind of an uncomfortable way. And again, it seemed coached. This is just a normal guy witness. This is an expert witness. This isn't a doctor. This isn't a law enforcement officer. So he just kept looking at the jury. But then once the defense crossed him, I decided I don't think he was coached. I do not think the prosecution knew what Gage was going to say on cross. And the defense brought up the fact that he was interviewed right after the shooting which he gave a statement, which we'll talk about. Then later, with multiple prosecutors and law enforcement officers and Gage's own lawyer, they tried to take another statement from him in which Gage refused to answer questions. So there are no other recorded statements of Gage. So they didn't know what he was going to say until he showed up to trial today and started testifying, which is insane to me. And it's also insane that when the defense lawyer was going through some of the inconsistencies in what he told law enforcement, eventually Gage said, well, I must have been mistaken because I was on pain meds. I just got out of the most traumatic surgery in my life. I wasn't thinking straight. It was accidental if I gave any incorrect information. He says he wasn't chasing or running out to the defendant, even though the, the video shows he was. Then he changed it to say they were yelling medic on redirect, and that's why he was running in that direction. He said he was never charged with lying to the police, even though it seems like with these inconsistencies, he may have. He never told them ever, law enforcement, that he had a gun. He never told them he had a loaded gun. He never told them he approached the defendant with that loaded firearm. He was not charged with unlawful possession of a firearm. He never told the police that Kyle said, I'm working with law enforcement. He wouldn't give law enforcement his phone. He would not cooperate with law enforcement when they asked what his occupation was. So the defense attorneys pointed out all these inconsistencies and issues with Gage as far as it goes with law enforcement and pointed out the fact that even though he committed these crimes, potentially, allegedly committed the crimes of carrying a firearm without a concealed weapon permit and lying to law enforcement officers, that he's not being prosecuted for any of those. And the reason the defense attorneys are bringing those out is they're trying to show his bias that the prosecutors are going easy on him because they need his testimony. That's what the defense lawyers are trying to bring out with some of these questions. What do you think? Do you think that worked? Do you feel like he was biased? Another part of bias the defense brought out was the $10 million lawsuit he filed. There were some objections to or by the state because the defense was like, it's much better for you if you win this trial, right? If Rittenhouse wins and he's not guilty, that's bad for your lawsuit. You're going to get less money, right? Your lawyer told you that, right? Obvious objection, attorney-client privilege. So you may ask, why do lawyers ask questions they know are going to get objected to sometimes and they know they might lose that objection? Well... Sometimes, and it seemed like in this case, the defense lawyers wanted the jury to hear the question, whether or not he was going to answer. They wanted the jury to know he's here because he needs the, the state to win this trial so he can go get his $10 million. And he's going to say and do whatever it takes to get that money. 
That's what the defense is trying to set up in this case. His affiliation with the People's Revolution was kind of weird. At first he said he didn't have an affiliation. Then he said he did speak at some of their rallies. Then he admitted some of them are actually in the gallery today in court. There were videos of Kyle pulling a dumpster out of the street and somebody yells something at him and Gage said, or in the defense asked Gage, he didn't do anything to them, right? He didn't shoot them. He didn't yell at them. He didn't fight with them. He ignored them, right? Gage said yes. He agrees that Kyle was actually running away from him and where he was and he was running towards Kyle, but he said he was not chasing him. He heard people yelling, get his ASS, get him, cranium that boy, which he said he heard in some of the videos, but not necessarily at the time. So he heard people threatening Kyle. And there were a few times where Gage would argue with the defense attorney a little bit, and then he would end up agreeing with him. Once he was presented with things that were kind of not arguable, and he would end up being like, okay, yes, that's true. One of them being, did you point the gun at the defendant? He said, no. But then when they showed him the picture, while his arm was getting vaporized, he said, the gun is pointing at Kyle Rittenhouse. Then the defendant would say, you pointed at his head. And instead of saying no, Gage said, well, yeah, while well, he was pointing the gun at me as well. And the defense attorney said, absolutely, you guys are pointing the gun at each other. And Gage did not understand that that is the whole point of what the defense is trying to set up, that they were pointing the gun at each other, one of them was going to pull the trigger, it happened to be Kyle Rittenhouse first, because they both technically were in fear for their life at that point. And that's what the defense is trying to prove. And in some of these times where Gage would go back and forth with the defense attorney and then end up agreeing with him, they would pan over to the prosecutor at their table and the prosecutor in the middle would literally have his head in his hands. Because that's not good. When he starts agreeing that he was pointing the gun at him and that all this chaos was going on and that he was net, Kyle was running away from Gage and Gage was running towards Kyle, none of those things are good for the prosecution, but none of them were as important as these next statements, in my opinion, that Gage Grosskreutz said, and in closing argument, I would absolutely focus on this part of the testimony when talking about whether or not the shootings of Huber and Gage Grosskreutz were justified shootings. Here's what he says. Gage believes that Rittenhouse was in physical danger because he was being attacked and there was a risk of head trauma from the man that ran by and either kicked him in the head or tried to kick him in the head, as well as Huber hitting him in the head with the skateboard. Gage even told law enforcement after that he told Huber to stop hitting him in the head with the skateboard. Now today he realizes with hindsight that that's not true, that he didn't actually tell law enforcement that, but he said he was running to help Kyle Rittenhouse because he was in danger of head trauma which is a serious injury. And he was in, in danger of being seriously hurt as an EMT, as a professional medic. That, ladies and gentlemen, in my opinion, is the first time in this trial I am leaning heavily toward a not guilty verdict for the murders of Huber and attempted murder of Gage Grosskreutz. The fact that he stated at that time when Kyle Rittenhouse fired those shots, he as a medic, thought he was in danger of head trauma and of being seriously injured, that's evidence I would highlight and focus and blow up to show the jury in closing. That their own potential victim and medical expert said, in his expertise, this could cause serious danger and head trauma. That was a big deal. A couple other inconsistencies pointed out by the defense was that Kyle Rittenhouse didn't actually say, I'm working with the police. He said, I'm going to the police to turn himself in. And Gage admitted that after watching the video and listening, that's actually what Kyle Rittenhouse said. 
the last major point before Cross ended, the defense wanted to show Gage a Facebook post that had a picture and a comment. And they said, Mr. Marshall was your old roommate, right? And he came to visit you with hospitals. You remember that? Yes. Then they set it up. They said, you just told Mr. Binger you were never going to shoot him. Do you have any regrets that night? And Gage says, no. And then after some argument with the judge as to whether or not this would be allowed in, the defense attorney asked, is that you? Is that Mr. Marshall at the hospital? Yes. Did you not tell Mr. Marshall, as it says in this comment, that your only regret is not killing the kid and emptying your mag in him? After he just went into excruciating detail with the prosecution about how that's against who he is, it's against his life's mission, he would never do that, he's uncomfortable with it, he could never see himself hurting another person no matter what. Then we have this regret posted by his friend that he didn't shoot Kyle Rittenhouse first, which to me is a reasonable regret. And to me, if Gage would have taken the stand and said, this guy was shooting people, I came up with my gun, I was going to shoot him to try to stop him from killing other people, and he shot me first. That's reasonable in my opinion. But instead, he came up with the story that he was going to help him, he was never going to shoot him, even though he took his gun out and ran towards him. And then all of these inconsistencies come up and this Facebook post comes up to show he actually was going to shoot him and he wishes he would have shot him. Which to me, if I just got shot by somebody, I think it's understandable that that's a regret. When you feel like this guy murdered multiple people and almost murdered you, I think it's okay to feel remorse that you weren't able to stop him even if you had a gun. Now, some people will disagree with me and that's fine. But that to me is more believable and understandable than what Gage did on the stand today, in my opinion. So Gage answered, no, I never said that. That's not true. That was his answer. And the defense said, well, Mr. Marshall actually took this down off Facebook, but we got it before he removed it. Also doesn't look good. And again, the fact that he said this regret, what does that show? What does that prove? What does that tell the jury? Well, it tells them that maybe Gage is not being totally forthcoming and honest on the stand, which there is a jury instruction that the jurors are supposed to weigh the credibility of witnesses. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of talk about Gage during closing when the defense attorneys pull up that jury instruction about his credibility. That's number one. And number two, it puts the jury into the mind of Gage that night while he was allegedly pointing a gun at Kyle. He wishes he would have shot him. Therefore, Kyle was justified in returning fire. That's what the defense is going to argue. Now you tell me whether or not you agree with that. But that's what they're trying to do with these statements and getting this out of gauge while he's on the stand. And it's the age-old witness trying to outsmart the lawyers by seeming a certain way as opposed to just being honest. Because I think he could have just been honest and this testimony could have been much better for the prosecution. Yeah, I was there. It was chaos. Nobody else was shooting people except for this guy. Once I realized he had just shot most, multiple people and killed somebody right in front of me who didn't have a gun, all the guy did was have a skateboard, I came up and tried to stop him and he shot me. Something like that to me would have been more believable. But again, you tell me what you think. We're here for open conversation. I'm sure I'm going to get some nasty comments, but people want to know what I kind of think and how I'm feeling as we go throughout the trial. Now on redirect, Prosecutor asked, if you were going to shoot him with your gun, would you have gotten that close to him? And he said, no. And he said, is that the way that you hold a gun if you're going to shoot it? And the pictures engaged said, no. That was basically all of redirect. Then on recross, more 
horribleness here from Gage and more head in the hands of the prosecutors. The defense attorney said, you didn't threaten him with words, right? Right. But you'd agree that people can threaten with actions, not words, right? Gage said, correct. Actions like running after someone with a loaded gun. Gage said, correct. Like moving towards them and raising your weapon, right? Gage said, correct. And then again, they talked more about how the picture showed he's pointing the gun at him. So to me, this was the most explosive and biggest witness so far in the case. And the witness that has swayed me the most in my verdict, if I'm a juror and I have something to hold on to, it's this witness right now. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know if you think any of the other witnesses were more important than this witness, because to me, he's been the most important witness so far. Now the case isn't over. Prosecution still has at least another day of evidence they're going to put forward. But let me know what you guys think about the crimes charged. We're going to continue talking through this case, but for now, that's all I've got. Make sure you leave your comments below and make it out to the live this Thursday so I can answer your questions. Thanks for watching this episode of The Lawyer You Know. If you like this content, please share it with your friends. Make sure you subscribe to our page and like our videos. If you want some interaction, get in the comments and we'll be sure to get back to you. If you want to know any more information about our firm or this page, you can find out in the description or visit tragoslaw.com. We post multiple times throughout the week, so make sure you hit that bell so you can get the notification and not miss out on the next episode.